Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Our guest this week is Dr. Cormac Cannon, Director of Bands at the University of South Carolina School of Music. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's start by telling us a little bit about yourself. You've, how long have you been at the School of Music? Uh, this is my fifth year on the faculty uh, here in the School of Music at the University of South Carolina. For the past four years, I was associate director of bands and director of the Carolina Band, the marching band. And then uh, this year, I've moved into a new position as director of bands um, where I conduct the wind ensemble and teach graduate conducting. And do you miss the marching band? Uh, I do. I miss, uh, in fact, they're getting ready to rehearse right now. And um, I was just telling a student on the way over here, actually, I miss the working with so many students from so many places on campus. That's one of the most exciting things about that group. I learned in talking to Scott Weiss that uh, there are hundreds of students involved. It's oh, yeah. There's about 350 students in the band. So yeah. you, you you get a real... Uh, and they're obviously not all music majors. So no. they're from all across every, every department. They're studying all sorts of things. So it's a really probably a great opportunity to see what kind of students are at the University of South Carolina. Yeah, the Carolina band is perhaps the best representative cross-section of the students we have here. Students from every academic area, um, students from 23 U.S. states in the band. So it's really, uh, really representative of the population we have on campus, which is very exciting. And do you miss it more uh, in October or more in August? (laughs) Um, This is pretty good weather for marching band right now. So yeah, I wouldn't mind being there, that's for sure. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, And so there are a number of bands on campus. We obviously have the USC Symphony, and there's the marching band. But the, there are there's the wind ensemble, uh, and then there's the symphonic winds, and there's a couple of other university bands. Um, and are th- those bands all made up of music students? Or, again, like the marching band, can you um, audition and, and participate even if you're not a music major? Yeah, all the... the- the bands like the marching band and the basketball band, volleyball band, are really geared toward uh, service and serving the university and providing spirit at those events. Um, and then the concert bands, the wind ensemble, symphonic winds, and the two university bands are really geared toward performance and giving students of any major uh, the opportunity to perform on their instrument. Students of of any major can be in any of the ensembles. Um, of course, the, the wind ensemble, which I conduct, is composed primarily of music majors, but there are students there who are really excellent performers on their instruments who happen to be majoring in something other than music. So all the groups are open to students of any major. Do you have to audition to get in? Yeah, so the Symphonic Winds and the Wind Ensemble, um, uh, you need to audition to get into those groups. We have auditions each semester, so it's fall is separate from spring. And then the University Band, which rehearses on Monday nights, is really geared more toward um, students who are who want to play in a concert band and have a great music making experience, but don't don't um, maybe don't have the time to devote to an ensemble that meets three times a week, or um, want to be in a group where they don't have to audition. They can just join and and really just pursue what they enjoy doing. So the university bands is uh, sign up and they'll slot you in. Yep. So some students who audition are placed into the university band, and then other students um, who just sign up uh, are also in the group. And what's the difference between the, these university bands and, say, the symphony? 
in terms of the uh, instrumentation. Yeah. So yeah, the biggest the biggest difference is the instrumentation and the and the the repertoire, the music they play at their concert. So the USC Symphony um, is what you might know as the typical symphony orchestra. It has a large string section. Um, of all the different string instruments, and then also has uh, woodwinds and brass and percussion. Um, the concert bands are composed all of woodwind, brass, uh, and percussion instruments, um, a lot like the concert bands that students may have played in when they were in high school or middle school, but, um, but perform at a level um, of the serious university music student. Um. So the band, how many students, roughly speaking, make up the different concert bands that are, that perform at the Coger Center? Yeah, the um, the uh, Symphonic Winds and Wind Ensemble each have about sixty students in them. The University Band has about ninety students in it. Um, it's a little bit larger band. Um, and then we talked about that the Marching Band has largest number of students in it. Um, and then the Basketball Band. Um, there's about 100 students who participate in basketball band, and that's split into two different groups. Um, and that group is they've, – they've already started rehearsals because basketball season, as we know, is right around the mm-hmm. corner. Um, th- are the number in the wind ensemble and the symphonic winds set based on what you need for a standard repertoire? Is that right? So you have an idea mm-hmm. of you need a certain number of – different instruments? Yep, that's right. So we look at the music that we're going to be performing um, during a given semester, and then after auditions are finished, we place students in those groups based on uh, the number of each instrument, like you say, that we need to perform that repertoire. The interesting thing about the wind ensemble is that many of the students who play in the wind ensemble also play in the symphony um, that you mentioned. And so students, many of the students who play in the wind ensemble are are playing part-time in wind ensemble and part-time in symphony. So those students are getting the opportunity to have both of those experiences at the same time all year. And what's some of the difference there? It's the repertoire of music. So the symphony is playing largely what I, I guess you would call classical music. Yeah, what what you might think of as more of the, the standard canon classical and romantic symphonic repertoire, um, you know, music by Mozart and Beethoven and uh, Mahler that you would know. And then the, the wind ensembles play a lot um, a lot of contemporary music, uh, music that was composed uh, perhaps in the last hundred years, but really a lot of music that was, perfor- that was composed um, even in the last ten years or pieces that are, you know, we, we premiere a lot of works, pieces that are being composed right now that we may play later this year, which we're doing with the wind ensemble. So the concert that we've got this Sunday, um, tell us about the repertoire for that. Yeah, so the concept of this uh, concert, oftentimes a a concert program will develop around a certain piece um, that you start with and then look at what other pieces would complement that. Uh, Frequently that may be a a larger work. And so this, this concert is centered around a piece called Migration, um, which was written by Adam Schoenberg just a couple of years ago. Adam is a young, uh, incredibly gifted composer um, who lives in L.A. He just this past week had a percussion concerto uh, premiered by the San Francisco Symphony. Um, so he's really working at the, the highest level of music making in our country right now. Um, and he, he wrote this piece, Migration, based uh, on his in-law's journey, actually, to the United States um, and kind of the struggle 
that they went through um, on their journey. And so the piece talks about, you know, making a decision about where you want to go and who you want to be and then some of the doubt that comes in during that journey, um, but ultimately the joy of, of getting to where you want to be. So then the other pieces uh, on the program all relate to that same idea of, of going somewhere, moving somewhere you want to be, and overcoming challenge. So we open with a piece called George Washington Bridge, which is a standard work um, for wind ensemble written in the 1950s. And the piece is actually, um, the, the structure of the piece is actually reminiscent of a bridge. There's these very dense sections of static vertical music that sort of represent the pillars of the bridge, and then these faster transition sections that, that represent the span of the bridge. So he was actually, uh, Schumann lived in New York and was actually thinking about George Washington Bridge itself when, when he wrote that piece. Um, and then the second work on the program is a, a piece called El Muro, which means the wall, uh, written by a Venezuelan-American composer named Ricardo Lorenz, um, written about uh, 10 years ago. Um, and not about the wall that people think of when we talk about the wall in the news these days. It was actually written about the walls that surround the homes in his hometown in Venezuela and about how if we build walls around our homes and ourselves, we never really meet other people or learn their true identity. So the piece builds these musical walls and then tears them down, and there's a great deal of conflict, um, but there's also a great deal of wonderful uh, Latin-influenced groove and, and dance feel. And the, the piece ends in a very um, poignant and surprising way that, that brings home this concept of what's behind the wall uh, musically, which is very exciting. And then the, the program is rounded out with three pieces by Percy Granger, um, who uh, is another uh, composer who's written a lot of very standard works for the concert band. Um, Percy Granger was born in Australia, but at a young age moved to Europe uh, to, uh, at his mother's urging to pursue a career as a concert pianist, ended up um, wandering the British Isles collecting folk songs and eventually emigrated to the United States. And so um, he's a, a real representative of um, of someone who lived in different places and absorbed the culture of those different places, which again fits into this idea of, of moving, going places, and overcoming the challenges that may be ahead of us. So w does every concert have this theme then uh, that you build around? And is it this theme seems to be um, maybe both musical but conceptual. Um, do they all have a, sort of a dual theme where you have conceptual theme as well as a musical theme? Um, typically, that's the way that I like to program because um, oftentimes if you have something you want to do and then you try to connect it to something larger, it, it spurs your own creativity and kind of, um, of thinking of how else could I connect this message to this piece and you may think of music that you wouldn't otherwise have thought of. Um, and, and whether the audience perceives it consciously or not, I think it helps It helps all the music uh, fit together um, because I always think of a concert experience not just as a group of pieces but as a, there's a, a dramatic trajectory from beginning to end that I really want the audience to experience. There's a lot of up and down and the, the emotion of the music ebbs and flows and so when you have this concept, 
um, it sort of forces you to think of new and different things that may, may connect to it. So I enjoy working that way. I think people find interesting about wind ensemble concerts is that every piece has a slightly different uh, group of instruments playing. Some may have a larger group. Some may be a smaller group. Um, we've already talked about how some of this music is very new. Some of this music is more um, more in the older tradition of the concert band. So I think there's a lot of variety, which people seem to find appealing about our concerts. How far in advance do you pick uh, your, you know, what the music's going to be? So I, I, we obviously have a whole season of the Coger Center and laid out, advertised not only the fall but the spring mm-hmm. season as well. Um, and you and I have dates on hold for the next year. So are you already? Are you already planning the repertoire? How far in advance do you plan the repertoire for the upcoming year? So um, there, are, there are pieces that may be programmed two or three years out if it's a special event. Now, not every program may not be completely filled in, but a lot of these cornerstone big things that we're talking about will be planned out. So, for example, we have a, 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 a really um, outstanding American composer coming in next fall early in the spring, which all the details have not been set. But so we know that, that uh, if this if if we finalize with this composer who's coming, we know we're going to do some of her works while she's here. So I already have some of those pieces. The other thing that, that drive um, some of the programming is if we have soloists, they are often engaged well ahead of time. So um, a year from this coming March, so March of 2021, We've already scheduled um, a soloist, or it's actually a pair of soloists, um, to do a work with the wind ensemble. And then when I was mentioning earlier about how we commission new works, um, we're working right now to finalize uh, a commission for a new piece of music by a composer um, that will be finished in February of 2022. So the piece hasn't even, pen hasn't even been put to paper yet on that piece, but we're planning, at least in our mind, to perform that piece in the spring of 2022. So some things are planned well well in advance. Right. So when you're working with guest artists, be they a composer or a musician, they have busy schedules and you need to get them on the calendar. Indeed. And I imagine if somebody's coming in as a guest performer, they want to know, well, what am I coming in to play? Yes. And sometimes those things happen well in advance and, and sometimes... Um, Sometimes you don't have that much time to learn a new piece by a by a composer. So we're we're premiering a piece in um, April of 2020 uh, that we have not seen yet. So it's very exciting to to know that something new is coming. Um, and a little nerve wracking. Uh, and a little nerve wracking, especially when it's a concerto, which this is. So the soloists haven't seen their parts yet. Um, but we learn a little bit about it from the composer, and they kind of tell us, you know, it's sort of, you know, some of the ideas behind it. We may see some sketches or something like that, but it's very exciting when we finally see the Will this be the, the premiere finish. here at the university, or will it play other places um, first? This piece that we're doing, um, we're part of a group, a consortium that's commissioning it. So I think one group will be playing it ahead of us, but we will be one of the first groups to play it. So uh, a premiere is exciting. Premieres are always exciting. We're, we're, we're fortunate here to, to be able to be part of many um, uh, commissions and consortium commissions. Um, we have a, another concert coming up on November 19th where we will be doing our premiere of a piece that we were part of the group, the consortium that commissioned it. Um, by Omar Thomas, who's a really outstanding young composer, 
who's working in Baltimore right now, a piece of his called Come Sunday that will be very, very exciting, a highly jazz um, and church music-influenced piece. That's a very cool thing. So that's the, your last concert of the fall semester. That's our last concert uh, of the fall, November 19th, which is a Tuesday night. And that concert is called Evolution. And the, the idea behind that concert is we start with a very traditional uh, band piece, a transcription uh, from an orchestra piece, then transcribed for band. And then we end with two very new pieces um, uh, and we sort of trace the evolution of band music um, from its from the more traditional days to some pieces that were just written in the last few years. Uh, and being a uh, part of the University of South Carolina School of Music, this band is uh, an educational class, right? Mm-hmm. So students are taking it for credit. They're uh, learning uh, about playing as a part of the band, but I imagine there might be some uh, certain people who have solos uh, that... So I, I, when I think of a symphony, there's... There's usually some soloists. Um, do you have featured solos in some of these works? And the, do you think about you, you know the students that you have and what you know what would be good for them in their career or their experience to solo when you're putting a repertoire together? Or do you not know the students far enough out to um, be thinking well, that way? Yeah, it's, I mean we know we certainly know our returning students, and so we have an idea of who may be back in the group. Um, from one year to the next, and so we can select repertoire that may highlight our strengths of certain groups of instruments that we may, we, you know, we may have a strong class of flute players or uh, clarinet players one year, and so we, we can do some things um, that way. We do have um, faculty soloists frequently, um, which, is, which is very exciting, and so we select repertoire based on, on those soloists who we may want to feature as well. What is the difference in experience for the students when they're playing with a faculty member from the university versus you know a guest artist coming in? Um, well, I think each I think each of those experiences is different and wonderful in its own way. Um, I think um, it's it's exciting for students to see someone who, you know, if you're a, a musician in our school of music and you don't play the flute, you may not know the flute teacher that well. You may know who it is. You have friends who study with that person. But then to have that person come in to rehearsal um, and hear one of our teachers, who's such an outstanding artist, you know, sharing that with the whole group, um, it's exciting because all those other students who don't study with that faculty member get that experience of, of learning from their music making. Um, and then bringing in an outside artist, be it a soloist or a composer, um, is a really exciting opportunity for students to, you know, to realize, um, you know, all all who is out there and and make connections for a, a lifetime of making music, um, and get a, a deeper insight, especially from composers, of of what their music means to them and and what they were intending when they wrote it. So, those experiences are are invaluable for our kids. And did I read that you have a guest conductor for this Sunday's concert? We do, yeah. Christian Noon, who's uh, one of our uh, doctoral students. Christian is finishing this year his Ph.D. in uh, music education um, and doing a doctoral minor in conducting. So he's one of our band grad assistants, and he's, he's actually conducting the opening work, George Washington Bridge, on our concert. And what, what do you play? What's your background in music? Do you play... Yeah, I, I was a percussionist growing up. Okay. Yeah, and I um, 
I started playing the drums when I was very young and then added more of the percussion instruments, eventually started learning other instruments. But when I was an undergraduate, um, I was a percussion performance and music education major as an undergrad. And then you went on to study uh, after your after undergrad. You have a master's and a PhD. Yeah, I have a. Um, I, I taught high school uh, in public schools in in Iowa for a few years after I graduated, and then I went to. Is uh, that like teaching the band, or is that teaching yes. music class? Like in, I, I in taught the classroom? band. Yep. So I was a band director okay. in a high school, and then I um, did my master's degree uh, at the College Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati. And then did my doctorate at the University of Texas in Austin. Uh, and then um, prior to coming, where, did, where were you prior to coming to the university? I was at Michigan State University. for I taught at Michigan State for six years before coming here. So it's your real asset. And I'm, congratulations on the new position. Well, thank you. Because uh, this you. is your first year as the, as the director of bands. That's right. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you feel like uh, people should know about the band program, um, how to participate, or you know something that you'd like them to know and or about the upcoming season of concerts? Yeah, well, the, there are always opportunities to join any of our groups, as we talked about. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what your major is, and if you're someone, a student who was in band in high school, and maybe you liked this part of band, but you didn't like this part of band— uh, band in college is a la carte. You can pick to do marching band, but you don't have to do concert band. You can pick to do concert band, but you don't have to do marching band. You could do all of it or just the thing that appeals to you. Um, and so if you go to our website, carolinaband.org, or call the band office, 777-4278, you can always find out about upcoming opportunities um, because we're always looking for uh, more uh, excited students to join us in everything that we do. Thank you so much for being here this week. Yeah, so hopefully you can all come and join us. The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at cogercenterforthearts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.